You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So as some of you may or may not have seen, again, get in the Facebook group, like the Facebook page, or follow me on Twitter. That's where the updates are going to come. Um, yesterday, um, as I was recording the podcast, I'm probably 35, 40 minutes into this. I've got maybe five minutes left before I wrap it up. And Audacity, which is the audio recording software that I use, crashed. And usually you can just recover it and everything's fine, but this thing, this time it was just dead, dead. Nothing there. Two minutes got recovered. And um, even if I had time, which I didn't because I had to go to work, but um, just, just out of pure rage, I probably would not have re-recorded the podcast. So... Um, as promised, I said I would do a podcast today to make up for it because, you know, the five-day-a-week podcast because of holidays and everything else and oversleeping is turning into a four-day-a-week podcast, which is now turning into a three-day-a-week podcast because my equipment isn't working right. And so, um, as promised, I'm going to re-record the episode, except because I'm concerned that it will crash again, I've been deleting everything that I can possibly think of. I'm actually to that point, I don't know if you've ever been there, where you're starting to delete things, you're not entirely sure what they are, and you just hope it's not some kind of a driver that makes this computer work. Because I just, I don't know what else to delete. But um, I thought I was in the clear, and I opened up YouTube to play this clip, and uh, Chrome crashed because of, you know, memory issues. So I deleted a couple more things, and I'm like, all right, let's give this a shot. But it's going to be a short and condensed version, if I can possibly stop talking fast enough. And I really hope I get this podcast out to you, man. It's not fun to put in a lot of work, and then all you see on your end is, oh, sorry, no podcast today. It's like, this dude is lazy. (laughs) Nope, second time doing this. Actually, third, I I did this whole intro, and it took so long explaining all this. I was like, this is too long, and I deleted it and started over, which is the theme of the last couple days. Um, Important update, though. Because the equipment is now becoming problematic... I put together a little wish list for myself. It's always been kind of a point of pride for me that, you know, there's a lot of people that want to start podcasts that literally will put in a thousand or more dollars into equipment. Microphone, stand, you know, they got this bionic arm with this $400 microphone, this $100 headset. They're paying for audio recording software when there's free stuff. They'll buy a whole computer and dual monitor set up. Some of them even build out studios, which is hilarious because there's no video component to a, to a podcast. I mean, there can be, but that's, that. I mean, a podcast is audio. So it's always been a point of pride. You know, I'm in some podcast groups on Facebook and stuff, and they're talking about these several hundred dollar things. And, well, I've only got a thousand dollar budget. And it's like, dude, I started a podcast for free. My friend gave me a broken headset, which I have since twice replaced by buying two of the exact same headsets. These headsets are $30. Aside from that, this computer I bought. I think it was a hundred bucks because it's a friend, you know, it's one of those things. But I do think at some point I'm going to have to uh, try to up my game. So if you are in the Packernet Podcast Facebook group or Facebook page, you saw that I put together somewhat of a wish list. And I'll be honest, uh, after I put that together, I did use some of the Patreon money. Thank you very much to my Patreon supporters for, um, I did use some of that money to buy some of the things on that wish list because I just, I want to get it going. Um, 
So external hard drive as well as some of the video things that I want to start probably by August-ish. Uh, YouTube channel and Facebook videos and all that stuff which I'm uh, working on. But there's still other things um, in order to make this a... I don't want to say more serious because I take it very seriously, but it's hard to take it seriously when I'm being shut down by the fact that I don't have a laptop that turns on. I don't have a computer that doesn't just crash. I can't even make... YouTube videos because I don't even have a webcam or a camera of any sort. <laughs> so it's in the group. It's a way to donate outside of Patreon. I'm not asking for anything additional if you're already doing that. It's kind of the same thing. But if you're not, and I know a lot of people are against Patreon and have given in several different ways, um, I'm going to ask that instead of doing Venmo or any of the other kind of ways that you've been supporting me, just put it into that. That's going to be a little fund. I set it for a cool million because I figure that's a pretty good... <laughs> Pretty good starting point. I thought about 10 million, but I was like, I don't want to be greedy. No, and it's it's not one of those things where you have to reach the goal, otherwise it doesn't matter, because then obviously this whole thing would be worth worthless. It's just it's a way of setting up Facebook so that you can give donations straight through Facebook. It's not super ideal, because it's meant to be like a fund and it runs out in October, but I can you know it doesn't matter. Anyways, please consider it uh, because I I do need to update some of this stuff and it does directly impact what you're listening to. You didn't get a Friday episode because of equipment. You didn't get anything over this past weekend or Monday because I didn't have an adequate laptop. And I could have used a phone, but the uploading it and everything else is problematic, and I, it just it doesn't work. So if we're going to take this to the next level, I need some of your help. Anyways, I'm, I'm, again, I'm rambling too much. It's just upsetting. It's, it's annoying. And I'm also kind of excited about, you know, the revelation that, hey... It's okay to spend some money on this podcast outside of, like, you know, PFF, which is due next month, by the way. $200 for that, another $100 for Game Pass. August is an expensive month. Thank you again to my Patreon people who are, you know, helping me with that stuff. Anyways, again, shortened and condensed version of today's episode. The theme of it is good news, bad news. And because I don't want it to be all bad news, um, we're going to do that first, get that out of the way and then transition over to some more sort of goodish news, or happy talk. And um, obviously the the negative is more about corona stuff. Um, College football is more and more, I mean, you want to talk about an asterisk. It's beyond an asterisk for college. I mean, we saw the Ivy League football, um, whatever, conference or whatever they are, saying we're just not playing football, which, granted, Nobody cares. I I, uh, I don't know if you know, I keep a list of NFL draft prospects. I have about 430-ish, I think, 2021 NFL draft prospects. And that's just the ranked ones. I have like 1,200 total prospects. 400 of them I have ranked. But anyways, of the top 430 that I have, not one of them is in the Ivy League. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. Still, um, you're, you're seeing, you know, I think Big Ten is saying we're only doing in-conference games, and so it, it's not going to be a regular football season. It's just going to be, there's going to be a couple games that you can watch, maybe. Here's sort of the question I have, and I, you know, you can't talk about it without upsetting some people, but here's the question. Why can't we wait? Why can't we wait and see what happens? I, I'll acknowledge that the odds that it's going to be okay not just when it starts, but throughout the entire football season, are pretty low. The fact that we've seen, you know, spike, and then it's good, and then spike, and then it's good, and then spike, and then it's good, and it's, it's regional, so it's going to be this state, and then this state, and then this state. It's, it's, it's unlikely that there's not going to be problematic things. But we don't know. 
this la- I think it was what SARS this last time. It was no nowhere near as big of a problem as this, and I'm not saying it is, but still, just kind of vanished around August. Just sort of, I mean, it's still around, supposedly, except I never hear about anyone getting it for some reason. I don't know if anyone knows why. I've never heard anyone explain to me why. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. I have no idea. But what? what's the harm in saying, I don't know, we going to do football? Yeah, we're planning on it, but there's a good chance it's not going to happen due to circumstances. But we're not there yet. We don't know the circumstances that are going to be taking place in September, so we'll wait and see. And I, I understand there are certain things that need to be put in place, but put them in place. As though there's going to be a season. What? I, you know, well, it's expensive. Yeah, you know what else is expensive? Shutting down the season. Again, even if you're 90% sure it's probably not going to work out. Okay, so there's a 10% chance that we're going to have a college football season and you're just saying, nah, never mind. Why don't you, we, tomorrow we could wake up and there's a vaccine. Ta-da! Probably a 0.01% chance, but so what? I don't, I don't know why... We have to do that. And again, I understand there's probably not going to be one anyway, so it's not the fact that there isn't a college football season that's bothersome. It's the fact that they're doing something that doesn't make sense, and just the way that I am, I can't tolerate that. Somebody has to explain. So please, if you even have a theory, explain it to me. Because here's sort of how I view this whole situation. Everything we've done since coronavirus has started is at best a necessary evil. Meaning, we had better be doing things only when they're necessary, because if we remove necessary from the equation, what are we doing? Let's make sure everything we're doing is necessary. And I just have a hard time understanding why canceling something in September is necessary if we don't know yet that it's necessary. And I understand canceling football being called evil is maybe a stretch, but you get my point. I, I just, I, I don't know. It's, it just, everything feels so volatile because people are making decisions that, I cannot get anyone to explain the rationale. And usually when they do, it's a very cavalier kind of, eh, who cares? Well, eh, I do. If you want to take really extreme measures, and that's all we've done for months, really extreme things that should never, ever, ever happen under almost any circumstances, right? Necessary evil. It's it's on you to explain why this is 100% necessary. And I can't find a lot of people that can do that. I would understand that it probably will be necessary, but in July, is it necessary to cancel something in September? And again, I get that, well, we would have to start putting things in motion now, and it probably won't happen. So, okay, you know what? Start putting things in motion. Start planning as though there will be a college football season. Right? I, I, again, Ivy League, okay, you know, not a, probably as big of a moneymaker for them as it is for Alabama. But I, I, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't understand. I, I just, I don't know. But... Again, probably not going to be a college football season. We kind of knew that anyways. I just wish I understood why. Right? If you told me in September we're going to cancel it, cool. Even late August. Like, look, we kind of set some markers here based on how these things work. We need things to be like this around this time. We haven't hit those markers. We can't get these kids back together again, even though most of them are going to be going to school, I think. So they are going to be together anyways. So why can't they play football if they're going to be crammed into classrooms together? You know, again, I don't know, but we'll just leave that alone. Why in July? Why? I don't know. I don't know the answer to the question. Anyways, that brings me to um, the NFL issue of jersey swapping. Now, there's there's a couple different components here. Number one is the people that don't mind it because they say that it's not that big of a deal. 
I'm going to ask that a lot of people stop saying it's not a big deal. Look around at how messed up everything is right now. Again, maybe necessary, maybe not, whatever. 2020 is not anybody's favorite year. 2020 is the way that it is because of a bunch of tiny, small, little, what's the big deals that added up to one really big, this is not fun. Something is either the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do. If you're trying to win an argument based on the magnitude of the thing, you're doing it wrong. Stop doing that. It's either a good decision or a bad decision. It may be a big bad decision or a small bad decision or a you know big good decision or a small good decision, but I don't really care. For the sake of argument, let's just talk about the merits of the decision and not whether or not it's big or small. What's the big deal? What's the big deal? Stop saying that. I'm so tired of everybody saying, what's the big deal? The big deal is hearing you say, what's the big deal every single day about every single thing. Shot it. Really just not in a good mood today. This was, I promise, this yesterday was really uh, inoffensive. It's probably because it's Saturday and I got up to do a podcast that I've already done before. But anyways, that's, that's that whole thing. That means nothing to me. Big deal, small deal, don't care. The question is right or wrong. Now, I understand from the NFL standpoint why you're doing this. I think in their mind, this makes it more likely that they're going to have an NFL season, which is their goal. They're going to do everything they can to make sure that there's a season. And in their mind, there's a core, right? There's a core of what needs to be in order for there to be a season. And everything that's not a part of this core, they're chipping away at. And a lot of that has to do with optics. And I think this jersey thing kind of proves it. But a lot of that is, look how hard we're working. We're doing everything possible. We're getting rid of all the fluff and the frills. And we're, we're sacrificing left and right around here. So that they think they're going to get empathy when clearly they won't. Right? That's ridiculous. Here's the thing, though. I think it has the opposite effect. Here's my question. If you concede the point that switching jerseys is too dangerous, how in the world can you justify having an NFL season? You can't. You can't justify that. Well, it adds to the possibility, and there's just no point. Again, back to the it's not a big deal argument. For those that don't know what I'm talking about, players are not allowed to exchange jerseys anymore. Because maybe somebody that has COVID, who I'm assuming doesn't, because these guys are tested every day, but, you know, apparently somebody slips through the cracks, they have COVID... They were in a locker room with their teammates. They sat on the sideline with their teammates. They went out on the field. They went nose-to-nose, offensive lineman, defensive lineman. They smashed into each other, sweat and spit and blood spilling all over the place. Then they cuddle together in these tiny little huddles, and they're tackling each other, and they're doing all this stuff. And then you go back to the sideline, and you sit next to everybody while you're breathing really heavily. And then at the end of the game, you don't exchange jerseys. You're not allowed to do that anymore. And then you go pack back into this locker room where everybody's crammed into tight spots. And then you get on a bus where everyone's in a really tight spot, which takes you to an airport where you jump on an airplane and everyone's in a really tight air recirculating um, environment. Let me tell you something. There is a 0% chance that if somebody catches coronavirus from somebody else, it was because of the jersey swap. If somebody has coronavirus and they're playing football, they're giving it to a bunch of people. The guy who got the jersey is going to get it from one of their teammates. Because a bunch of their teammates are now infected with coronavirus. It's just, I mean, and, and, and here's the thing, it's, it's, again, this is how you know it's optics. Wash the jerseys, right? You got gloves on, go into the locker room with this jersey. You know, try not to put the jersey in your mouth if you can help it. And, I mean, all this stuff gets washed anyway. I'm guessing the jersey probably does get washed. 
I mean, all your stuff comes off and it goes in a wash somewhere. I mean, some kid runs around, picks up all the sweaty, nasty stuff, which, by the way, that kid hopefully is wearing a mask and gloves. He throws everything in the wash. Add this jersey to it and wash it. I mean, is it a ritual to not wash those jerseys? It's just, again, none of this actually makes sense. And it's not intended to. But the thing that I don't like is that I think it's going to have the opposite effect, as I said. You've conceded the point that this is too dangerous, and that's a dangerous road to go down. Don't concede the little things, because then you're never going to win the argument on the big things. And again, at some point, if you're going to have an NFL season, the only way that's going to happen is to say we've made all the necessary precautions we feel that we can make. And we feel confident in what we've done and that we're doing enough. And we are going to have an NFL season fully aware that there are risks. And we're okay with that. And if you're not, you don't have to participate. Right? And that's not a fun conversation to have. Nobody wants to have that. Nobody wants to say that. Right? Just like has been happening all... I mean, and that's the other... Come on now. My life hasn't changed all that much because I never stopped going to work. Same with millions of people who are going to work, never stopped going to work. There is an assumed risk. Yep, there's a little bit of risk involved. That's what life is. At some point, you have to have the fortitude to stand up and say that sentence. We're doing everything we can, but we're going to assume risk beyond this point. Deal with it. And I, you know, again, when you're conceding this stuff, I just don't know that the NFL has that kind of intestinal fortitude. And it it further brings me to the point of thinking maybe this isn't going to happen. It also just further solidifies my feeling that as much as I want to believe that the people in charge are brilliant geniuses, it's just like, come on, man. This is this is just not intelligent. And as far as the optics being good, I mean, everybody just spent the entire, what, two two days straight of just making fun of how dumb this is, including football players who are already not happy with you. And by the way, most of the football players that I've seen are much more concerned about injury risks to not, you know, through not having practice and everything else than they are about coronavirus. In fact, I've seen some players explicitly say that this is a distraction from the real issue, which is, in this case, injury, slash them trying to take my money away. Those are the two issues I see. I don't see football players talking about coronavirus. Not to say that it's not a concern, but clearly injury risk and taking your money away, which, let's face it, injuries could mean a loss of a lot of money depending on the severity of the injury. Those are the big issues that football players are concerned with. And the NFL is dancing around with this, well, we got to not let you do jersey swaps because you might get coronavirus and it's like come on man all this is dumb (sighs) don't don't concede the little fights man don't do that because now you've just lost the big fight you did you you lost the big fight you're going to allow them to do really unsafe things why what justification do you you don't have justification anymore you gave up justification it's annoying anyways we're going to take a break here and i'm going to get up and walk around get another cup of coffee maybe take a break, watch some comedy type stuff, because we're talking about some positive things after this. I'm, I'm actually skipping one of the negative things. We'll save that for Monday, because this has been negative enough. And we're going to come back and we're going to talk about Mr. Aaron Jones. Although, I could do it with an angry kind of kind of angle to it. We'll see We'll see how it goes, man. We're just going to run with it. But again, make sure you're in the Pack on a Podcast Facebook group. Make sure you like the Pack on a Podcast Facebook page. Uh, make sure you're following me on Twitter, Pack underscore Daddy. If you'd like to give please do so in the Facebook group. That's my new thing. It'll help to upgrade the show so that we don't have any more interruptions, no more excuses. Also, it's going to ensure that by next month, there is going to be a YouTube channel that is not just going to be putting out, you know, once a month stuff like I was doing before. It's going to be much more regular and uh, much more... I mean, there's a lot of stuff that I have in mind that I would like to do that I'm very excited about, but I need some help. So please consider it. Think about it. 
We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, a couple things. I know I said I would talk about Aaron Jones, uh, and I'm going to. But as I was digging around looking for Aaron Jones stuff, we'll get to why that is, although you can probably figure it out. I came across an interesting stat that kind of further solidifies something that I had mentioned a couple days ago uh, on the last podcast, actually. Talking about Mr. Raheem Mostert. Um, Again, a lot of Packer fans are thinking, man, it'd be cool if we had him. I don't know why, because we've got a great stable of backs. Um, And a lot of people saying, let's just get him out of San Francisco so we don't have to play him. Excuse me, hopefully go somewhere else. I could just pause it, but, you know, we're just going to power through it, man. Yawns and all. That was a good stretch, though, man. It felt great. Feeling good, man. Just just feeling good. I'm on a beach right now. In in my mind. Ocean. A lot of peaceful things going on right now. But the, the general consensus among most Packer fans, if you look on Twitter and whatnot, is Raheem Mostert is a great, great running back. And my contention was Eh. <laughs> I, I just I don't expect a really big year for him. I mean look, his PFF grade he graded out fine. But again, most of that was like two elite games and then the rest was just kinda eh. He's an undrafted free agent. He's missing a lot of stuff, whatever, whatever. Right? I'm not going to redo the whole thing. But I came across this stat that is called yards before contact per attempt. Now, if you think about it, what is yards before? How many yards do you run before anybody touches you? This is not necessarily a running back stat as much as it's an offensive line stat or scheme or whatever the case may be. How far can you run before anybody even touches you? Lamar Jackson led the league by far, almost five yards before contact. Probably because he's really fast. I don't know. After the quarterback, however, number two is Raheem Mostert. 3.5 yards per carry before anyone touches him. On average, he gets 3.5 yards before anyone even touches him. There are running backs who get about 3.5 yards every time they touch the football, period. He's getting 3.5 yards before he gets touched. Um, And I know some people probably think, well, yeah, but I mean, the reason is because similar to Lamar, Raheem is really fast. He's got 4.3 speed. Number three on this list is Matt Breida, San Francisco, 3.3 yards per carry. The top two running backs in the NFL in yards before contact per attempt are San Francisco 49ers running backs. That's not a coincidence. Well, Matt Breida is also fast. I know there's a lot of fast running backs, and it's probably a bit of a combination, but nobody, I don't care how fast you are, right? it's not like every single run is uh, these guys just breaking to the outside and getting around everybody and nobody touches them. 
That's not what we're talking about. I mean, that's that's pretty incredible. I mean, there's only uh, four guys, three running backs, that get three yards per carry before being touched. The other guy is, is Christian McCaffrey. For reference, Aaron Jones gets about 2.4 yards per carry before being touched. So, anyways, I just wanted to further solidify that. The, the fact of the matter is running backs are probably going to do better than average when you're playing for San Francisco. It's a team that really works hard to do a great job at running the football. The offensive line does a great job. The coaching staff does a great job of coaching them up and and scheme-wise and everything else, when you call, what play, how you do it, execution, all that together is laid at the feet of Raheem Mostert and Matt Breida, who then use their great speed so that when there happens to be a big hole there, they can do a lot with it. Point is, um, as I said in that last episode, I don't necessarily feel safe just because Raheem Mostert isn't there because any running back that's playing for San Francisco is going to give us a hard time because we had a hard time with their offensive line. I'm also not as afraid of Matt Bre- or excuse me, Raheem Mostert because I don't think he's going to have nearly the amount of success when he goes somewhere else. He might, but I doubt it. Depending on where he goes. If he goes to another team with a good offensive line, maybe. If he doesn't, he won't. And I think that's the point of frustration. Raheem Mostert's looking at his stats and saying, I deserve more. San Francisco is rightly looking at this and going, no, you don't. Because we could pay just about anybody to come in here and do what you do. We got Matt Breida who can do it. We already brought in uh, Tevin Coleman. He's going to be able to do it. He's not as fast, but he's going to do a great job. So, no, I'm not paying you more. But anyways, the reason I'm here is because I was looking for stats, looking at Aaron Jones. Um, Because the, I don't even know what it was, ESPN or something, they did a top 10 list of Aaron Jones, and he wasn't on the top 10 list, and a lot of people got angry. And so I kind of looked at it, and I thought, well, this is a decent list. Granted, some of these guys have done almost nothing, but I think they're revered for their other guys like Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon has been loved and adored because of what he was able to do in college and what what his potential is and all this stuff, which I think is a ridiculous uh, way to look at things. But, I mean, he's talented. But I thought, let's let's do this in a fair way because, you know, you pick on Packer fans, Packer fans freak out, they insist that no matter what, people deserve better, right? You make a list of top quarterbacks and Aaron Rodgers doesn't make the top five and people are going to flip out. I think they're probably wrong about that, but they would flip out. You make a list of top five wide receivers and Devontae's not on the top five and people are going to freak out. Might have a little bit of a better case there, but... I don't know that the outrage is necessarily warranted. But then you look at Aaron Jones and you think, all right, if I were to do a top 10 list of of running backs, how would that look? And I thought, okay, well, let's just start with the basics. Let's look at running backs and just yardage. Let's start with yardage. There are um, 15 running backs that got over 1,000 yards. Aaron Jones is one of them. However, in terms of yardage, he ranked 11th. Now, again, I'm using PFF stats. Sometimes they don't exactly line up. I don't know why they wouldn't. I think yards probably do but he's 11th. So he's close to top 10, but he's outside of it. Derrick Henry's got 1,500 yards. Nick Chubb got 14. Wild. You want to talk about underrated. Nick Chubb is wildly underrated. Christian McCaffrey, Ezekiel Elliott both got 1,300. Chris Carson got 12. And then you got Leonard Fournette, Josh Jacobs, Joe Mixon, Dalvin Cook, Marlon Mack. Actually, not Marlon Mack. The, uh, the four that I listed on top of that at 1,100. And then, uh, so that's nine total. And then in Marlon Mack had 1,091, Aaron Jones had 1,078. He was 11th. If we look at yards per attempt, Aaron Jones is tied with Saquon Barkley and Miles Sanders and LaShawn McCoy and Alexander Madison and Rex Burkhead for 16th. 4.6 yards per carry is impressive. 
But, um, you know, Kamara, 4-7. McCaffrey, Jacobs, and Kenyon Drake, 4-8. Duke Johnson, 4-9. Chubb and Ingram, 5. Henry, Singletary, Breida, and Chase Edmonds, 5-1. Gus Edwards, Tony Pollard, 5-3. Raheem Mostert, 5-6. Rashad Penny, 5-7. So, outside a little bit, if you look at touchdowns, Aaron Jones is tied for number one. If you look at uh, carries of 10 or more yards, Aaron Jones is tied for 10th, so he is top 10 in that category. Yards after contact per attempt, 17th. And, and the reason I'm going through this is because I think sometimes it gets emotional. Sometimes it's just Aaron Jones is elite. He's one of the best ever. And listen, I we're, we're going to get to the part where he clearly should be top 10, but I just want you to hear the, the categories. Because I think sometimes we just assume like, oh, he's elite in this case. He's, he's just one of the best, da 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 and you start hearing the, he's 16th, he's 17th, he's this, he's that. It's it's sort of the good, not great kind of category. He's not perfect, is my point. He's not number one in every category. You're top five in every category. Outside of touchdowns so far, he's been top 10 at best. Somewhere between 10 and 20 is kind of where he stands. 17th in yards after contact per attempt. Um, he's at 3.19. Yeah, Tony Pollard, 4.51. Derrick Henry, 4-1-8, right? So it's, you know, he's 16th in longest carry. His longest run was 56 yards. Damian Williams had a 91-yard run. Nick Chubb had an 88-yard run. McCaffrey, 84. Breida, 83. Leonard Fournette, uh, 81. Kenyon Drake, 80. If you look at avoided tackles, he's ninth. So he is top 10, but again, barely in that top 10. So these are the statistics. And I think if you're just based basically looking at statistics if you're just looking at yards and uh, yards per carry and that kind of stuff you're probably putting Aaron Jones maybe you put him at 10 probably 11 12 um I generally don't want to just look at stats though and this is where I always have a really fun time because there are certain Packer fans who hate pro football focus and you know granted there's the type that I I can't stand more than anything which is the well if you just watch film crew which give me a break you know you don't watch film stop lying All right you've watched Josh Jacobs and Nick Chubb and Chris Carson and Derrick Henry and Joe Mixon and Christian McCaffrey and Ezekiel Elliott and David Montgomery and Todd Gurley and Philip Lindsay and Aaron Jones and Alvin Kamara and Saquon Barkley and Dalvin Co- you watched all these guys and you've come to the determination that he's better than Marlon Mack and Adrian Peterson and Devin Singletary and Sony Michelle and Ronald Jones and Devontae Freeman and uh, Carlos High you've you've done all that work and you've you've okay sure Assuming you haven't, which almost nobody has in the universe, you've got stats, and then you've got more advanced stats or grades, which is to say we look at things in a little bit more context. First of all, if we actually start with football outsiders, Aaron Jones ranks fourth in their DYAR category, seventh in DVOA, and this is defensive, uh, it's, it's adjusted based on the, the defense. Again, it's it's context, because not everybody faces the same circumstances. Some people have it easier than others. Right? Again, if Raheem Mostert benefited from having a really good offensive line, first of all, football outsiders wouldn't even pick up on that, because it's about the defense, not about the offensive line. The only one that would really pick up on that would be pro football focus, because they look at it in, in context. But even football outsiders um, just wish takes statistics and contextualizes them a bit, just just a little bit, has Aaron Jones comfortably in the top 10. If you look at pro football focus and Aaron Jones, his running grade, 
They have him sixth. It's Nick Chubb, number one, Josh Jacobs, number two, Tony Pollard, number three. I know how nobody's, who the heck is Tony Pollard? Dallas Cowboys. Which, by the way, um, as I've been saying since forever, Ezekiel Elliott is overrated because of the offensive line. I remember the first year Ezekiel Elliott got there, he had like the lowest yards per carry of anybody on his team. And now he's being outshadowed by Tony Pollard. But whatever, you know, Ezekiel Elliott's talented. Um, Dalvin Cook, Ezekiel Elliott, and then Aaron Jones is the, uh, the order. If you look at overall offensive grade, which takes even more things into account, like blocking and receiving, Aaron Jones is fifth. You've got Nick Chubbs, Josh Jacobs, or Nick Chubb, Josh Jacobs, Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, and Aaron Jones. So, you know, as usual, I, I want to look at this more in a kind of a calm manner, not jumping on the people who made the list, although I do think a lot of that is meant to be clickbait. I think if you actually make a list that most people agree with, it's not going to circulate nearly as much. you got to do a semi-good list with a couple of really dumb things mixed in. And if you do that, then it goes viral. I think that's sort of the... I should I should try that sometime. I'm, I'm worried about the negative repercussions, but, you know, you should just try it. But I, th- I think the general point here is, and it, it gets even more damning if you look at a multi-year thing because Aaron Jones has been so consistent over his career that even the statistics uh, you push him up which you should be using multi-year if you're looking at a at 2020 who are you going to bet on you don't want to use just one year as, as your full context you want to do something a little bit more safe and look at who's been more consistent and I think Aaron Jones gets pretty close to number one if you're looking at grades and statistics and everything else over the past several years so my thought on this is it is wrong um Although on some level I can understand it, but I think it's either, it's one of two things. Either they're doing this on purpose. We'll say it's one of three things. They're doing it on purpose because they want certain people to be outraged. And I think the Packers, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I, I'm starting to think Packers fans get the most outrage of any fan base. As much as people keep picking on Aaron Rodgers and stuff, I think it's a big moneymaker to um, slight Packers fans. Zadarius, Aaron Jones, Aaron Rodgers, just, just pick on them, right? And Devontae, everyone acknowledges is good, but let's put him like outside of the top 10 or clearly outside of the top five or something just to get people riled up. So that's number one. It's on purpose. Number two, this is a person who doesn't really know what they're doing and kind of just does it off the top of their head or kind of just what they feel like, you know, name recognition and what you've been hearing around the grapevine people talk about. And I'm just going to make this list. And I've watched a bunch of football, so I kind of get an idea. Maybe it's just, you know, I, I watched this one game and he really impressed me and you kind of get that bias built into you, kind of like how some teams will go out and and pick up free agents based on a game that they watched, which is a terrible way to do it, and I, I'm worried that the Packers are one of those teams um, because they, they kind of do that. I know Funchess destroyed the Packers, and now we go out and get Devin Funchess. I hope that it's not just a matter of, man, he was so good in that game, and we just didn't watch a lot of other film or even have any kind of whatever. I just, you know, I hope that doesn't happen. But it was just kind of an off-the-top kind of a list, which would be number two. Or number three would just kind of be laziness. You built a list based on just statistics, right? You're looking at yards. You're looking at uh, yards per attempt. Maybe a couple other things that you mix. I don't know what else you would mix in because outside of that, you got, you know, you can't look at touchdowns because Aaron Jones is no way is not in the top ten if you're looking at touchdowns. I mean, I don't even think you can put receiving yards on there without pushing Aaron Jones up because Aaron Jones is eighth. And you think, okay, well, eighth, you know, eighth and, and twelfth kind of averages out, right? But it's not the same guys. He's eighth on a completely different list. Austin Eckler is second on this receiving yards list. Austin Eckler is not in the top 10 as far as rushing yards. Alvin Kamara is on this list. He is not a top 10. He is not ahead of Aaron Rodgers or Aaron Jones in rushing yards. So when you combine them, 
also known as scrimmage yards, Aaron Jones is eighth. So you can't even really look at yards and not put him in the top ten. So laziness almost isn't even a... I, I, I don't think you can put laziness in there because the most lazy thing you can do is just look at yards and touchdowns, and that puts Aaron Jones in the top ten. And also the, the list doesn't line up in other ways. Joe Mixon is 12th in scrimmage yards. He's not 10th. So look, I... My goal was to look at it honestly and, and in an unbiased way to say, is Aaron Jones top 10? I don't know how you can... I, I, I can't craft a top 10 list that doesn't have Aaron Jones on it. The only way that that... Ha- and I, I really think it's probably just an off-the-top kind of list. And again, this I mean this, this is what's embarrassing about it. You, you, I'm 100% positive this isn't off-the-top-of-the-head list. This reminds me of, and I think I've told this story before, when I first started playing fantasy football, I think it was in like 2009 there were certain guys that were big-name guys that were over the hill. And you got to understand, that I didn't get into the NFL until 2009. I was a Packer fan since I was a little kid. I didn't care about I didn't know other players except they were like big-name guys. I didn't watch other teams. I didn't watch other games. I don't care. I wasn't into football really until I started playing fantasy and I started to need to learn who these people are. And I made the mistake because we got all the way down into like the eighth round and there were guys like Chad Ochocinco that were available. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? He's one of the best wide receivers in football. And there were, I think like three of those guys that were, that were in their heyday, some of the best, but just way over the hill. I don't know. Randy Moss maybe was, I don't know. I probably, yeah, he he was, he played in, uh, he played until 2012. So I probably had like Chad Ochocinco, Randy Moss, and a bunch of other guys who I thought were like the best in football, but clearly fell. I, I just, I didn't know. It was a name recognition thing. And if you look at this, you got guys like Le'Veon Bell on this list. Now, granted, Le'Veon Bell, if you look at that yards before contact, he's like at the bottom of that list because that offensive line is doing him absolutely no favor. So, you know, maybe you still want to give him some respect. But guys like Le'Veon Bell and Joe Mixon and Alvin Kamara, these are all big name guys. Saquon Barkley, number one. I don't know how you put Saquon Barkley number one, other than to just say he's a freak and everybody knows it and we all like him and we saw those big highlights and all that stuff. There's no statistic or grade or anything you can look at that I think puts Saquon Barkley number one. Uh, Christian McCaffrey clearly, I think, should be number one. He's got all the freakish athletic attributes. He's probably simultaneously the best running back and best receiver in as far as running backs. You could argue those points, but it's ridiculous what he does and what he can do. You know, it's just these are all big name guys. Ezekiel, Kamara, Henry, Dalvin Cook, Nick Chubb, Joe Mixon, Josh Jacobs, Le'Veon Bell. So, and again, and I feel like places like ESPN and stuff do this more than anything. These are guys that just feel like they know football, and I don't think they really study a lot. I think they watch a lot of football, and I think they're just around each other a lot, and there's a lot of talk, and they just hear a lot of things, and things kind of get regurgitated and circulated, and they put out a list like this thinking that they're like in the know because they're super smart, and then people who really know the stats and know the grades and know all the nuance are looking at this like, you're a dummy, and they're looking at it like, you guys are dummies. I know. I'm, I'm the guy. I work at ESPN. I'm 40. They, they don't know that they're really on it they think they don't have to put in the work they just think that they just pick this stuff up through osmosis and again not to go down that whole rabbit hole again but it's a little annoying as somebody who does put in a good amount of work that people who get paid a lot of money to do this for a living can't be bothered to sit down and just dig up stats and and grades and whatever other kind of context that you think is important and try to put together some kind of a list you know why i didn't put together a top 10 list because i didn't take the time to do it i can rattle one off I mean, I can just grab 
you know, the, the top whatever based on the statistic and then just start throwing people away. Like, well, I don't want Tony Pollard on my list. People are going to say I'm dumb, so I'm going to get rid of him. And so I'll just grab these top guys that I think are the biggest name guys, the most talented freakish guys without any real context. And I'll just sort them based on what I think. And then I'll just put out a list. But again, it, it doesn't matter. This is what they do. And they're happy that you're all riled up about it. The bottom line is though, you can't look at this in any real way and not put Aaron Jones in the top 10. You just can't. And you know I'm not saying that because I'm biased. Because, again, I did a whole long thing on Aaron Rodgers and how people are probably pretty right about him. Not that he can't have a great year. Hope he does. Hope he has a bounce-back year. But to say that he's been slipping is verifiably 100,000% correct. Reasons? Of course there's reasons. But that's not the point. But, again, I, I'm try, that, that was my method. I want to try to prove that this is right, that he doesn't belong in the top 10. I can't do it other than just looking at rushing yards, and that's it. But again, he didn't even do that, or this person, whoever made this, didn't do that. But I, you know, that would be a good challenge if you're bored today. Find a way, contextually, to look at this, a criteria that puts Aaron Jones outside of the top 10 list, and then try to sell me on your formula. That's going to be the tricky part. You can make a top 10 list, but sell me on that being the best way to, to grade running backs. That's going to be the hard part. But yes, Aaron Jones is a very special running back. He's been shocking people. Um, he doesn't have the name recognition. You know, he's not built like Saquon Barkley or Christian McCaffrey or Ezekiel Elliott. Um, he doesn't have some of the the, the size of Derrick Henry and, and all the yards and everything that he did. He doesn't have the name recognition like Le'Veon Bell. You know, a lot of these guys, Dalvin Cook, everybody knows what they can do. And they're betting on that upside and that freakiness, and they they just you know they they give they give respect, and that's fine. But it's it's unfair to not give respect to Aaron Jones, who's doing better than these guys. Not all of them in every category, but he's he's outpacing these guys despite not being built like Saquon Barkley. Can you imagine if Aaron Jones was had the attributes of Saquon Barkley? The fact that he doesn't have the God-given ability of Saquon Barkley, but still in a lot of ways does better than Saquon Barkley, and maybe some of it's due to the offensive line. But I think if you watch him you would notice that that's not entirely true, right? Jamal Williams has that same offensive line. Pretty big difference. No disrespect to Jamal. Love the guy, but come on. But anyways, yes, if you are wondering, you can count me among the Packer fans who look at that list and just laugh. Not that this isn't a great list. It is. And I even think Le'Veon Bell deserves some credit. I think if you put him behind a better offensive put Le'Veon, that's what needs to happen. Put Le'Veon Bell in San Francisco. I don't want that to happen, but just as a football fan, ooh, you're talking maybe the best run-blocking offensive line in football, and Le'Veon with a chip on his shoulder, who probably doesn't want to play for the Jets. The Jets don't want him there. Oh, my good. Oh, mm. it's it's simultaneously delicious and painful to think about at the same time. Because I think Le'Veon Bell still got it. I just think he's in a terrible situation. I think it's a nightmare over there in New York. But anyways, I'm starting to get paranoid that this is going to crash, so I'm going to end it sharply. You folks have yourselves a fantastic rest of your weekend. I will talk to you on Monday. Again, please consider going on Facebook and giving even a buck or whatever you can give um, so I can start upgrading some of my equipment. And um, I am actually in the process. I'm going to have a meeting with Mr. Uh, Executive Producer about some of this YouTube content creation, whatnot, and uh, kind of get the ball rolling on that. So anyways, have a great day. Talk to you Monday. Bye-bye.